welcome to the Inspired Educator Podcast, where educators share insights to improve the educational experience. I'm your host, Dr. Yuling Li. On today's episode, I'm presenting a conversation between Professor Nina Pak-Louie and three of her students, Michelle, Tasha, and Caroline. At the time of this recording, these students were pre-service teachers in the first year of our post-degree program. This episode is part of a Shirk Explore grant about pre-service teachers and podcasts. Without further ado, here's their conversation. And today we have three post-degree student teachers joining us. Um, and they'll introduce themselves and they have they are willing to share their overall learning out loud and share it with a more public audience. So thank you so much for joining us. And some of the questions that we are asking students to, to prepare and to share out loud is, include, uh, let's see, we wanted students to reflect on course learning outcomes and the BC professional standards, specifically the two that state educators value the success of all students, educators care for students and act in their best interests, and educators implement effective planning, instruction, assessment, and reporting practices to create respectful, inclusive environments for student learning and development. And specifically for Education 401, the assessment course, the three learning outcomes that are uh, related to this episode include the following. Um, can students communicate beliefs and understandings about assessment and evaluation in ways that create, build, and strengthen all that is good? Can students articulate and explore spiritual, moral, ethical implications of current and future assessment and evaluation practices? And can students draw on personal and spiritual beliefs, values, and experiences, as well as the wisdom of others to formulate assessment and evaluation commitments as an educator? Uh, so before we begin, I'd like uh, the student teachers to introduce themselves. Thank you so much for being here. We'll start with Michelle. Hi, my name is Michelle Bedry, um, and I'm originally from New Westminster, and I got to the teaching program at Trinity Western through my love of teaching dance for many years. And I'm Tasha DeVries. I'm originally from the United States, but I'm now living in Abbotsford. Um, I came to teaching after falling into a lot of teaching jobs and then discovering a love for it. Um, and I hope to be able to teach uh, theater and English. Hi, my name is Caroline Prophet. I grew up in the Lower Mainland um, and I joined the PDP program as a second career. Uh, my first career was in customer service and management. Thanks for being here. So I guess the purpose of the podcast is typically students would uh, prepare and share their oral reflection either in written form or through like just conferencing on our own. And oftentimes, I, for me as an instructor, I would read reflections and key takeaways. And I learn so much from students when I read the final reflection from the courses. And then this podcast just gives you an opportunity to share with more than me, <laughs> a much wider audience. And so hopefully the listeners would find a lot of value in what you all have to offer and share. So we, we can all learn something very important from student teachers. So thank you so much for being here. So the first question, uh, the thinking frame that we used was sort of a, now I used to think, then I learned, now I think, and so I will. So to prepare, we've asked student teachers to read the related program learning outcomes, the BCTC professional standards, and the related Education 401 course learning outcomes. Um, we've asked student teachers to consider class discussions, the learning opportunities, assignments, um, formative learning activities in and outside of TWU, um, and also reflect on their, their field experiences and their readings, and to reflect on the knowledge, understandings, and skills they engaged with and formed independently and collaboratively during the semester. And so then to prepare, we've asked students this question, the thoughts and actions, what images, experiences, and assumptions and associations did you have about assessment and evaluation for learning um, before taking Education 401? And then the second one, the second question is for students to identify specific formative and summative learning opportunities that significantly affected their thinking and growth. 
And then the next question is we've asked students to sort of select an icon of wisdom. Um, it could be a, a quote or an image that came, that is very meaningful to them. Uh, this gives them an opportunity to go beyond the course to find additional wisdom that is meaningful to students. And then the last one is uh, the so I will. What specific actions will student teachers take next as a result of their growth in understanding of assessment and evaluation for learning? And the summary statement is the first I thought, then I learned, now I think, and so I will. So let's begin with the first question is, what images, experiences, and assumptions and associations did you have about assessment and evaluation for learning before taking Education 401? We'll start with Michelle. So the image that comes to mind for me prior to this class was a picture of like a straight A report card and how grades really mattered. And I was really good at school and able to do kind of whatever it took to get those really good grades. Um, and they were, yeah, still very similar to how I had been taught and assessed all throughout my life in school. Um, even up to coming to the teaching program at Trinity, so throughout different university classes. And I had been given a small insight into what formative and summative assessment looked like with a couple of classes last semester, but there wasn't really much theory to back these thoughts and ideas. Much of the rubrics, grading practices, and assessment methods that I am familiar with dominated my view of how to assess and evaluate learning. And these came in the form of tests, participation points, marks off for late assignments, zeros for cheating, and grading behavior. All of these things that confound grades that I find now, but that were just very familiar and the norm for me and how I felt about grading and assessment. Mm -hmm. Oh, and before we move on, we want to clarify to the audience that post-degree students are different from the concurrent five-year program that we have. Um, post-degree students come from a variety of backgrounds and different institutional experiences as well, like from a wide variety of universities. So I just wanted to clarify that. Thanks, Michelle. Uh, so some of the images, assumptions, and associations that I had about assessment before taking Education 401, um, the image that really came to mind for me was um, a Ferris wheel, <laughs> which kind of surprised me as I was thinking about different options. But the idea that um, assessment my, and my assessment experience in particular um, was sort of this never-ending merry-go-round and you're going up and down but you're not really going anywhere it was mm -hmm. more about earning a place on the Ferris wheel through hard work and and learning how to um, how to sort of work the system to get good grades um, and then you get on the Ferris wheel and you go up and down and up and down but you're not really going anywhere it's sort of a journey without movement um, so that that's sort of an image that came to mind in thinking about um, how I thought about assessment before coming to Education 401 um, um, there was this idea of needing to earn approval from those around me with getting good grades um, and having to having my work assessed in a biased way mm. um, because a lot of the time I would present work that I thought was really good and um, there was one paper in particular I worked so hard on but then it was a different writing flavor than the professor was actually looking for um, and so I got um, a mark that I didn't feel reflected my my learning um, because it was a different flavor so it was sort of this biased assessment system that I was used to and then one of the assumptions that I realized I brought into my understanding of assessment was that a teacher is supposed to sort of trick students with assessment practice um, to determine what they know and don't know um, so this idea that like you have you can help students prepare and study and I myself prepared and studied for many exams one midterm in particular comes to mind um, working really really hard for a professor to do all of the memory work to be able to present this and then he presented questions on the exam very different than the ones that um, were prepared for us to study from um, and so I, I was carrying that into um, my understanding of assessment practice and that was sort of my what I thought assessment was supposed to be you're sort of supposed to trick students into mm -hmm. showing what they know and don't know um, and then also this idea that you really have to earn good marks um, and it's sort of a reward that teachers give out to students who 
are displaying excellency and displaying hard work and can work the system rather than just an expression of where they are for learning. Um, and then associations with stress and confusion and anxiety. Um, but it was also an opportunity to prove myself and earn worth from those around me. Mm. Um, and then I really feel reflecting on um, where I came from before being an Education 401 will help me embody one of the course learning outcomes, which is drawn personal um, spiritual beliefs, values and experiences and practices, as well as the wisdom of others to formulate assessment and evaluation commitments as an educator. Um, because knowing where I came from and being really aware of the biases that I brought into my understanding of assessment is going to help me move forward in a more positive way. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so my image uh, that I had of assessment is of two people racing up a mountaintop trying to get to the top. Who gets to the top first? Mm. Uh, so I always thought about assessment as a mountain to be climbed, where I was in competition with other students to see who could get to the top first. Um, I went to a very competitive private high school that ranked students on their report card. So mm -hmm. you would know out of 22 students where you sat in the class. Uh, and so before taking this class and gaining an understanding of SBG, I hadn't spent very much time considering how it must have felt for the students who were always ranked in the bottom half of the class. Um, because I was an academic high achiever, that had never been my experience. Um, and now I recognize that while achieving high grades is motivating to me, um, it's really demotivating for students who for a variety of reasons um, saw and see the mountaintop as completely out of reach. Okay. And so I think I've really didn't consider before how assessment really privileges some students and disadvantages others. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's so just to summarize, prior to taking this class, you believed that assessment was about earning a reward and to prove, prove your own self-worth and that it was like a competition and a race to the top of the mountain. And then Michelle, just to summarize what you shared, I forget already. <laughs> just, uh, just that it was like grades really mattered. Grades and really mattered. That was the emphasis the, was on grades. Yeah, point of schooling was get those good grades. <laughs> get those good grades. Okay, so let's take a look at how things have transformed. Second question is, uh, can you identify and name specific learning opportunities that <coughs> affected your thinking and your growth uh, during this semester? And how did the course learning alter and expand your thinking and beliefs in relation to assessment for learning? So I picked out four kind of major points of the course for me. Um, the first one was chapter nine in the textbook. Uh, I thought it was an excellent chapter. It greatly shifted and expanded my thinking on grading practices and how not to con convolute grades. Mm -hmm. um, I see how behavior can be assessed and dealt with separately so that grades can purely report academic progress. What I found especially interesting is that studies have shown grades for behavior is not a good motivator, as was um, mentioned, and does not work the way that it's traditionally thought. And this was something that struck me and stood out to me because I didn't expect this to be the case based off of my own experience. Grades have always been a great motivator for me, as I mentioned, but after reading the research and textbooks surrounding this, I completely understand how it's not a good motivator. I want to be a teacher who fosters a sense of hope and belief in their students so that the students know they have what it takes to succeed no matter what they have been told in the past. The second thing is I see the value in clear rubrics and how to use them as a teacher, where highlighting the areas students achieved help give clear feedback that can be improved upon. Also by giving the rubric at the start of a project, the expectations and guidelines are clear. The rubric exercise we did with the cookies was a great formative learning opportunity. Mm, that was fun. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> and um, especially when we switched with another group, it was difficult to write rubrics with clear, concise and specific information. Um, or And it was hard to receive that as the rubric that you're getting you're, to use. So it's good. it was good to be in both the teacher's shoes and the student's shoes receiving that. Um, as a teacher, if I work hard at creating thorough rubrics, before the assignments are given to students, there will be a clarity for students. And, and so 
that will be that will ease the process of them doing the assignment, but it will also make the marking of the assignment much easier for myself. Um, thirdly, I wrestled with the zeros given for cheating mm -hmm. and late marks for assignments because these were things that seemed reasonable to me growing up, especially mm -hmm. as someone who worked really hard to make sure I always handed in my work and didn't cheat. Um, but once reading more research and what was indicated by the textbook, I can see how this is just another way that grades are confounded and used to manage behavior. It also was extremely helpful to have a conversation in class to analyze the views where we like stood on two different sides oh, of the room. Yeah, we had philosophical chairs in the class. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I understand that grace can be shown and used to help students be successful by figuring out why things are late and supporting students through their struggles. I appreciated the class discussions we had surrounding these topics as it made solidifying the textbook mm -hmm. a lot more stronger. And lastly, I think the biggest impact I found was through experiencing formative assessment and standard-based grading in this class in particular. Okay. As a student? As a student, mm -hmm. yes. Um, having the fairness of SVG and formative assessment done to me has really made me value, like highly value, and see how important of a practice it is for me to replicate in my own teaching, mm -hmm. just how fair that is for students. Yeah, and I always kind of um, communicate that the context is really different because we only meet two times a week for two and a half hours versus in a middle or mm -hmm. high school setting, you'll see students daily, right? So you'll mm -hmm. have way more formative opportunities than I would ever have. Mm -hmm. And if it can be done though in our class, I know where we are only meeting twice a week, then it's like, should be totally mm -hmm. doable mm -hmm. in a K-12 setting. Yeah, and I always wrestle with, do I have enough summative evidence to make those decisions? Whereas I think it will be quite different in mm -hmm. the K-12 setting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tasha. Okay, so I broke this question up into sort of three different categories, um, summarizing some of the assessment experiences that were really powerful for shaping my understanding, um, specific course learning experiences, and then experiences um, maybe outside this classroom. Mm -hmm. um, so the formative and summative assessment um, practices that were really shaping for me and my understanding of assessment was uh, like to echo what Michelle said, being formatively assessed by you, Nina, um, <laughs> with the fairness of standards-based grading. Um, it was really incredible I think it was last semester where I first experienced formative assessment with you. That was your this, very first time. That was my very first time. <laughs> and working on this huge <laughs> assignment and putting so much time into it and feeling all of the typical stress and confusion and concern that w leading up to needing to submit the assignment. And then hearing from you that this would be a chance for you to reflect on my learning and give me feedback to continue to build on my understanding so that I could continue to grow. That was hugely transformative. I remember the moment really distinctly sitting on my bed with my dog stressing about the assignment and then realizing that it was an opportunity for you to see where I was at and um, to get feedback on how I could build on my thinking. It was so freeing. I just remember mm -hmm. feeling this weight come off my chest. Um, so an, another experience that was really powerful for me was planning formative assessment for my practicum and then mm. receiving feedback on those plans. So it was an opportunity to sort of put the training wheels on and practice um, building some assessment activities and then getting your feedback and Kevin's feedback mm -hmm. um, to be able to continue to build on my practice. Um, and then it was really interesting um, I had a summative experience um, that was really radically different from the standards-based grading um, system that we've been exploring um, for a different course um, that was not shaped around the philosophies um, that we'd been learning about this semester. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just really, it was really interesting to see both of them at the same time mm -hmm. and to experience both um, at the same time. Yeah, and that just shows interpretation. Yeah, absolutely people interpret the literature in their own personalized ways. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, so then some of the course learning, the cookie rubric was really 
um, formative for me. It felt like an embodied way to experience what we were learning. Maybe we should tell really the audience powerful. what happened. Could someone quickly summarize what we did? Oh, right. The, <laughs> so the cookie rubric, we had to design a rubric to assess um, a chocolate chip cookie and then switch rubrics and assess piles of different cookies based on another group's rubric. And just being able to really experience that in an embodied way um, was powerful and really made me think about how, um, yeah, just how much work goes into building a rubric and then how it is up to personal interpretation sometimes. Um, and that subjectivity yeah. does play a role yeah. in how our descriptors matter. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. The guest speakers were also wonderful, particularly, I am so sorry, I completely forgot his name. and I Oh, didn't my put, friend, Josh? Yes, Josh, mm -hmm. yes. His, his um, talk coming into class was really formative for me. It gave me a lot to think about. Um, and then the practical guide for designing quality assessment with the five keys, clear purpose, clear target, sound design, formative usefulness, effective communication. It sort of gave me um, a roadmap for how to create assessment. Um, the Padlet exercise we did where we categorized different assessment strategies oh, was yeah. really helpful. Um, the clarifying proficiency worksheet that we did as groups, that was also really helpful. Just any, any of those activities where we put our... Um, put our thinking to use mm -hmm. um, and had to work with it. it, gave me a clear insight into where the holes in my understanding were and how to fill them in. Mm -hmm. And you used a lot of your knowledge without it being graded. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. That mm -hmm. was really, that was really nice. <laughs> um, and the philosophical chairs, as Michelle said, was really helpful because we had to sort of pick a side about, or pick a stance um, about some of the statements about standards-based grading and then be able to justify it and hear others justify it. And I think that all of this, all of those experiences allowed me to demonstrate the ability to communicate effectively, think creatively and critically, and use and gather evidence to inform my practice, which is one of the School of Education's learning outcomes. Um, and then the experiences, practicing formative assessment in practicum and seeing that students didn't necessarily understand what I was teaching or didn't respond to the assessment opportunity. It was just interesting to be on the other side of the desk and it gave me some feedback about my teaching. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you. All right. So my image that I had for this particular question mm -hmm. is some mountain climbers with a bunch of gear. Right. Um, obviously, they're getting ready to climb the mountain and then you need the equipment to get yourself there um, and one thing as well is that there's more than one person because I think a lot of the learning that I did this semester was sort of in a group context and yeah. getting feedback from people and then also discussing stuff because mm -hmm. I found a lot of the class discussions we had really impacted um, my opinion about stuff particularly when we did the philosophical chairs, I found that class discussion was really helpful. Mm -hmm. So let's tell the audience what we did. We went through um, some possible assessment policies. like Yeah, so we'd these. ask questions like, um, should students be penalized for late assignments? Mm -hmm. And then you would stand on one side of the room or the other, uh, depending on what you answer thought that that was. Mm -hmm. um, and I think even the reason I bring that one up first is because that's really the sort of policy I learned about in chapter nine that I found very restorative about the assessment process. Mm. Uh, because as a student in university, I really struggled with getting assignments in on time for like mental health reasons. Um, mm. And it was to lose the marks, it always felt kind of unfair because I feel like I had valid reasons for things not being in on time. Mm -hmm. And it had nothing to do with my ability to actually show my learning or demonstrate what I knew it just had to do with like other outside life circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, so other experiences from the class uh, that really contributed was the practicum experience, um, just being in the classroom for the full week yeah. and getting to see the progression of assessment with students and then tracking uh, their assess, like tracking them with formative assessment and then adjusting the class plan based on that was really helpful in seeing why formative assessment is important and the difference that it makes for students and the difference that it makes in the choices that you make as a teacher as well. Mm -hmm. And then my big takeaway from that was the importance of balancing individual with group assessment. Mm -hmm. uh, because I had a situation in the class where I thought some students were doing better than they were because we had too many group assessments. Right. 
Um, so that's really helped me moving forward. Yeah, and then I remember that showed you that you didn't ha have a clear idea of how that individual yeah. student was doing. So. so it was the yeah, formative to learn how to balance assessment in the classroom mm -hmm. as well. Because I think as like, especially as a pre-service teacher, you want to try all these new things. And a lot of the new things seem like they're group work. <laughs> because you're like, you really into cooperative learning and everybody like picking up off each other. Mm -hmm. um, but then I realized looking at the assessment that the group work it's fun and it's exciting and the kids love doing it. And somewhat of a good sample. And it is good. Good sample size. But if you do too much of it, then you're sometimes leaving a few, yeah. like a student behind and you're not realizing it because they're kind of in the shadow of other mm -hmm. students. Um, I also thought the cookie rubric was really good. I won't go into detail because we haven't talked about it. Uh, and then the jigsaw activity uh, oh, where right. we where summarized a chapter and then I looked at the and then we each made learning resources learning resources mm -hmm. and I used that a lot when I was planning for practicum yeah. uh, especially to look at okay what assessment is going to work for this particular topic that I'm doing and the subject so I thought that was very helpful um, all the all the stuff in chapter nine which we've discussed already um, but save guess, the best for last. <laughs> yes. And I was saying to you last night when we were talking about it, that it's interesting because chapter nine feels like the last chapter in the book. Oh yeah. And it's not, and it's not. Yeah. And it's like, I, I haven't read the other chapters yet, but it just feels like it's so much of a conclusion because it's talks about why SVG is so restorative as a teacher and why it's so important and how, you know, it flows through into policies and the choices you make. So it's strange that it's not the last chapter in the book. Mm. And then my last sort of big experience was just experiencing different forms of assessment as a student this semester really helped inform my practice in this class and really sort of struck for me the importance of actionable feedback. Yeah. That if you're giving feedback to a student, then you have to give them the time to be able to act on it otherwise what's the purpose of the feedback mm -hmm. and that's something that when i wasn't experiencing it in other classes because i knew better now i was so frustrated with it because <laughs> it's like hey what am i supposed to do with this with this now like it's over and i can't fix mm -hmm. it uh, and then the other thing that was really ex important is just clarity of rubrics and expectations and how important it is to make make it possible for students to understand what they're supposed to do mm -hmm. and how they're supposed to get to the different points on the scale that they want to be at or that they have the ability to get at. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was interesting. I mean, it's frustrating maybe experiencing the older form of assessment, but it was very formative to be learning about SPG and best practice and then being experiencing sort of more traditional methods at the same time, because I think oh. it really gave me clarity about why SVG important. was important okay. and why I wanted to, to enter into more restorative practice with regards okay. to assessment so That's really interesting. Students. A common theme that's arising is your own lived experience as a learner <laughs> and experiencing formative assessment for the first time. I don't believe that, but okay. For, and as standards-based grading for the first time. Yeah, and especially too as a parent, because like- Oh yeah, you're a parent. It's common as it hasn't been ex very clearly explained to parents and I didn't really understand what was going on. I mean, I'd read the literature that the district sends out, but I didn't have a clear understanding of where the teachers were at. Mm -hmm. And I feel like just the, cl the class and reading the textbook and experiencing it, like I understand now why districts are moving that okay. way. So. Thanks, Caroline. Okay, moving on to the next question is this, I really enjoy this question because it's sort of transcendent and it allows you to go beyond course learning and bring something that is meaningful to you and make connections to ethics and spirituality as well. So the question is select an icon of wisdom related to the spiritual or moral or ethical implications of assessment practices. We, you are all encouraged to go beyond uh, course learning to find additional wisdom that is especially meaningful to you. The icon can be a quote, an image and or story. 
And um, we've asked you to sort of share a brief description of why it was chosen and how it relates to your future assessment practice as a K-12 teacher in British Columbia. So the thing that came to mind first for me was Proverbs 22, verse 6, where it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And as much as I'm going to be a teacher in a public school, I still think that having this as kind of a foundation and guideline is important because it really shows the involvement of grace and love and care and compassion for students who you have to come alongside them and empower them. And they're all at different levels. And the formative assessment practices that we use will really help them with training them up and encouraging them and helping them be successful and working to working together with them. Um, Cause as a teacher, I see myself as part of their learning process and part of that journey with them. And if I'm not doing my job correctly, then how could I expect them to be learning correctly? And um, yeah, I just, I think that that like an ending love that Jesus shows us, I need to be able to impart on my students. Um, and it kind of reminded me of the con a connection between the BC one of the BC Teacher Council's professional standards where it says educators value the success of all students. Educators care for students and act in their best interests. And so if I am truly living out Proverbs 22.6 and the BC TC um, professional standards, then I will make sure that I am helping all students be successful. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Michelle. So the, the quote that stood out to me is from Shannon Schinkel, which is a, a teacher that you introduced us to um, through the course of the semester. Um, and this quote is, we all want assessment to be a true reflection of the student and we don't want, and we don't wish to pigeonhole students into showing their learning in inequitable colonized one track ways. We want our desire, sorry, <laughs> we want our learners to leave our rooms with a growth mindset and an intrinsic desire to learn and not be extrinsically motivated to chase points. My students are flourishing and pushing to their potential because of the way I implement SBG and especially since I started developing proficiency sequences. It's my responsibility to generate the best possible learning opportunities for all my students. Um, and that was in her article, The Case for Standards-Based Grading. Mm -hmm. um, this was really powerful for me because it is sort of a snapshot of what I want my assessment practice to be and what I want my teaching practice to embody for my students, which is this ethic of care and holistic care for students. Um, and I think that one of the biggest shifts for me that occurred this semester is that assessment can be a means of helping students flourish mm. and caring for them holistically. Um, and I think that in this quote, she talks about the ways that her assessment practice um, shift students from this earning a reward with grades to having a growth mindset, an intrinsic desire to learn, um, and they're not extrinsically motivated to chase for points, um, and they're pushing themselves to their potential because of the way she implements these assessment practices. Um, yeah. Thanks, Tasha. I'll make sure I tag her when we share the episode. <laughs> I had a really hard time with this question because oh. I found a whole bunch of stuff I, oh, so much. I wanted to yeah. include. Uh, so I'll do one and maybe two. Okay. <laughs> uh, so my first uh, quote is from Sarah Sparks. It was in an article called Why Teacher-Student Relationships Matter. Mm -hmm. And she said, a reciprocal focus required teachers to gather complex information and develop a holistic understanding of their students. And it continues on, inviting the students to grapple with content and problems together. These students not only learned to think for themselves, but also had adults who affirmed and responded to their thoughts and experiences. Such interactions prepared them to engage with authority figures and to someday hold positions of authority themselves. Mm. And that was a quote from Thiessen Hamer, or Homer, who was in the same article. And the reason the quote really stuck out to me is I'm thinking, I, I know it's come up again, like assessment as this restorative practice with students. I love that you see it as a like, restorative practice. <laughs> and you're like building relationships and like the impact that assessment has on students. I mean, we talked about it. Like, how did you see assessment before and how do you see assessment now? And it's really like this ethic of care that you create with your students. And it's so 
important. And it's not just you as a teacher judging the student, it's you working with the student together to increase their level of understanding and make them be successful. And I think I hadn't really, previous to this course, I hadn't really thought of the power that assessment can have in someone's life. Um, yeah, I because, know. Like it's, it's huge, <laughs> it's huge. Like you don't realize how huge assessment really is and it impacts like confidence in the future. And in three, six, five, I did a paper about parent relationship, like parent involvement mm -hmm. and parents involvement in like parents experience that they have of schooling and assessment. I, that's a huge part of it impacts how involved they are in their student's school. And that involve that impacts student success. Like it's just this ripple effect. Um, and we, as teachers, we need to put so much effort into making that like a good relationship mm -hmm. so that we're working together and my other quote that i had that's was, such a big change from the picture of the two runners racing up the mountain in competition with each other yeah it's massive massive it's shift like, yeah <laughs> yeah my other quote was from uh shannon Schinkel as well and it oh just shannon about that. shout yeah. out to shannon <laughs> that the a more equitable equitable approach to teaching and learning meets students where they are at and moves them forward and this means that some students will do more than others and that's okay. And it means that some students will do less than others and that's okay too. And it's about what students can do, not how much one student can do more versus the mm -hmm. other. And I think that really fits into that because it's so much a part of the relationship that you really have to adjust your expectations to what your students are capable of and then help them get to where they need to be. Yeah. Thanks, Caroline. Okay. Uh, the Last question is, um, so you have started with communicating what you thought about or what you were, what you originally thought about assessment before taking this class and then the key learning opportunities that have shifted thinking and helped you grow. Um, you've shared some additional wisdom from others outside of the class. And then I guess the last question is based on your learning and your moving forward into now your professional year with your certifying practicum and then you're joining the profession as a fellow colleague and hopefully you'll stay and teach students for a long time. What specific, specific actions will you take next as a result of your growth in understanding of assessment for learning? So I have four, four. points well, <laughs> <laughs> that I kind of narrowed everything down to. Um, the first one is I will work to foster growth in my students. The second one is I will commit or I commit to giving clear expectations, learning targets and guidelines at the start so that students understand what they need to do to be successful. And this ties into both the TWU SOE program learning outcome of demonstrate the ability to communicate effectively, think creatively and critically, and use and gather evidence to inform practice um, by giving those clear expectations, learning targets, and guidelines. I'll be able to provide clarity for my students. Um, and the, then also tying it to one of the BCTC professional standards of educators implement effective planning, instruction, assessment, and reporting practices to create respectful, inclusive environments for student learning and development. And so both of those, yeah, really tie into that. Show me how important it is if it's in two even sets of standards. So clarity, clear targets, that's what's resonated with you, mm -hmm. to be yeah. clear. Okay. Yes. Uh, the third one is I will use formative assessment to give myself leeway to change lesson plans as needed to meet students where they are at at every point in time, which can sometimes be daunting for me because I don't love change all the time. And mm. I feel like if I work really hard to put a lesson plan together, I really want it to unfold the way that I had intended, but even just from the practicum experience too, and understanding that it's okay and it sometimes can get messy, but it works out well in the end, especially mm -hmm. if you have put in the time to prep and you have opportunities for movement in your lessons, then that actually works better for students. So your planning run. and clarity of the direction that you're heading allowed you to be flexible. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I want to be able to do that because what I've seen with the use of formative assessment is sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes yeah. kids need more time or they're getting things quicker than you anticipate. Um, and so I want to meet them where they're at. Mm -hmm. And it's also a huge part of being responsive mm -hmm. to the students. Yeah. 
And then lastly, I will separate behavior, cheating, and late work from marking academic achievement mm-hmm. to not confound grades. And I think that's that a that, big, that's a big, sh- it is, <laughs> it's, it's a big change. Uh, I mean, like it's something that was done to me, but I, I also never loved it. Like I, mm-hmm. did you ever I, question it? Um, perhaps like the, the late marks, because mm-hmm. it was like, well, I like what Caroline was saying before, like sometimes you like, there's you a legitimate having, reason. <laughs> there's a legitimate reason. There's a family crisis. There's something going on that is resulting in education your schooling not taking first priority and that's just life Mm -hmm. and so having that grace and understanding as a teacher i think is super important and uh so that one was always like that one was tricky the the cheating and the behavior i i feel like that one will be a little bit more tricky and i'll have to like work on it but Mm -hmm. i really want to like that's my goal is to strive to like not have it confound grades Mm -hmm. and have other modes of classroom management to put in place to address behavior Mm -hmm. or cheating or late marks or anything or to teach it or to teach it yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that reminded me of the SOE program learning outcome with respond with wisdom, humility, and compassion to questions, issues, and problems related to education. Because I think that wisdom piece mm-hmm. is really important in that where you, in humility, you have to kind of humble yourself to be like, I'm not the, the main person here. Like the importance is that the student's going to be able to succeed mm-hmm. in it. And how am I going to do that? Well, not penalize them for late, late assignments, mm-hmm. but have a conversation instead. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Michelle. So for this, um, I created an action plan that was guided by two of the standards we were working towards. The first one was um, the the professional standard, educators implement effective planning, instruction, assessment, and reporting practices, create respectful, inclusive environments for student learning and development. And the second one was a school of education learning outcome, which was respond with wisdom, humility, and compassion to questions, issues, and problems related to education. Um, So to do those things, um, I have six things that I've committed to six six (laughs) i'll I'll be really fast you don't Um, have to be fast okay (laughs) um so i've committed to continuing to grow and learn through continued instruction um about assessment practices and being open to receiving other people's Mm. wisdom um to practice designing assessments that are built around the five keys to quality assessment um to utilize feedback from my formative assessments to assess student learning and adjust my teaching to fill the gaps in their understanding um, to practice making high quality rubrics uh, and then also finding a professional learning community to continue to grow my knowledge. So not mm. only receiving instruction, but coming alongside and linking arms with other professionals so that we can um, continue to grow um, in our assessment practice together. Yeah. And to sorry to piggyback off what you just said no, no, no. is there are communities available and sort of part of mm-hmm. this, you participating in the podcast and then after having a post discussion at a later time, just to show you where you can find those communities, there are like Shannon, mm-hmm. she's created uh, a community on Facebook called Beyond the Report Cards. Mm-hmm. It's like almost 2000 BC educators on there. And then on Twitter, there are assessment communities that you can get plugged into. Um, yeah. I'll share those with you after. (laughs) And then the last one, um, this one I think is going to be challenging for me. And I think this is one of the things that's going to be challenging going into my professional year is to stay humble and receive Mm -hmm. feedback Um, because feedback, I work so hard (laughs) and feedback to me feels like you're not enough. And this was not enough. Um, So being trying to shift my sort of position in receiving feedback into one of humility and openness Mm -hmm. and collaboration with the person who's giving me feedback um, so that I can, it doesn't impact my sense of my own worth if I'm not doing something perfectly and there are places to grow. um, So that staying humble and staying open is my commitment. That's um, sort of my overarching um goal for my professional year okay that's that's wonderful you're you're working on developing your own growth mindset yeah everybody's we're so i was nodding along the whole time with both of you you were nodding the whole time (laughs) (laughs) uh so my uh goals that have so my picture that i chose was a someone planning their route to climb the mountain with the maps and the books and the advice and stuff like that and my, I have four things and a lot of them are probably just more recent. I wasn't, I guess, thinking so much to my 
future practice, but more towards PYP. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just near give, future, near future, uh, <laughs> giving students just actional feedback and opportunity opportunities to resubmit work. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know I talked about it previous. Just like the making sure that what you're telling students is something that they can that they can do, mm -hmm. like that there's some there's something to follow. Um, and then more research or learning, um, especially I have like um very passionate about inclusive learning and exceptional students. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was a book that was referenced in chapter nine that I actually ordered wow, good last for you. night that I want to read. Um, and it's a, called Grading Exceptional and Struggling Learners mm -hmm. by Leanne Jung and Thomas Gusky. So I yeah. think just looking into that more of how to make assessment inclusive for the entire class is something that's really important to me. Uh, practice making detailed rubrics that scaffold learning for students mm -hmm. um, sort of ties into that as well and making sure that it's in alignment with the learning standards and then provide opportunities for students to reflect on their learning uh, because one thing I've I don't think previous to this course I didn't really think very much about my assessment like I got my grade and it was like I was either happy or disappointed about it and then that was it it was over um, and what I've sort of really picked up on this year is reflecting on the assessment that I receive and like how can I do better and what can I do to improve it so I really want to keep doing that myself and also give students an opportunity to make learning not seem like our assessment is not just a one-off mm -hmm. like it's a part of who you are as a person and how are you going to use that feedback in other areas as well okay uh let me see here okay so summary statement for all of you we'll start with michelle For a summary statement, I feel like I cover a lot, so it mm -hmm. seems a little longer. Oh, okay. <laughs> just like the each, there's four the four points. So, mm -hmm. first, I thought formative assessment was an easy out for students who didn't want to fully do the work, wow. especially after like somebody who would always do my work and hand it in mm -hmm. on time. And so, um, that's kind of what I came into it thinking. Um, but then I learned that formative assessment was an extremely powerful way to foster student learning by coming alongside students mm -hmm. where the teacher works to be informed about where students are at every step of the way. And for the students like myself, who were always on top of things, that was even a powerful tool for myself. So I think that's important. Um, and now I think after experiencing the power of formative assessment done to me, as well as using it in our week-long practicum experience on students, this is a tool that allows teachers to foster a learning environment and make students successful. Mm -hmm. So I will take form. It fosters a learning environment. That is yes. like the key phrase. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I will take formative assessment forward into my teaching career to enable students to be successful by coming alongside of them. And, uh, the TWU SOE program learning outcome that kind of came to mind with this was the understand the ethical nature of their professional role and serve educational communities with joy, gratitude, humility, commitment, and integrity. Thanks, Michelle. Okay. So my, um, Summary statement is also worked into that first I thought, then I learned, now I think, so I will format. So first I thought assessment was a means of managing behavior, ranking performance, earning worth, and form of assessment was not a part of my experience or practice as an educator or a student. Um, then I learned that assessment should be an opportunity for students to make their learning visible and create a landmark for their learning journey. Um, and then students can then develop upon their learning to, and understandings to further their growth. Um, so now I think that assessment is an essential element of an ethic of care formative mm -hmm. assessment is a chance to assess not only students learning but also my teaching um, and how they're receiving information and how I'm communicating information um, so I will use quality assessment practice to care holistically for students and continue to equip myself with knowledge and instruction and I think that um, by doing these things this will allow me to embody the professional standard educators value the success of all students educators care for students and act in their best interests mm -hmm. Kate, before caroline shares yeah initially you shared that you thought assessment you um associated assessment with your own self-worth and it was mm -hmm. something that you had to earn mm -hmm. but what a difference now it's more coming alongside that mm -hmm. it is a way to care for students absolutely holistically yeah. yeah and I think that takes me out of what I didn't realize initially was that 
as a student, I was in the position of trying to earn worth from my instructors. Mm -hmm. But then if I embodied that same practice, it would switch and I would need to be, I would be this person sitting atop my throne, um, like handing out worth to yeah. other people. And once I realized that, that just felt really yucky. Like yeah. having it switched and realizing that I don't want to be um, sort of this tyrant who determines other people's worth with grades and yeah. gets to hand that out to people. I don't want to be in that role. So it, it sort of shifted for me. I got down off my throne and um, kind of, I see myself linking arms with students and sort of walking the path together mm -hmm. collaboratively. Um, so that was a big shift for me. Yeah. And what about the idea that you are worthy of mm -hmm. care, that you're all worthy of exactly, care. Exactly. Yeah. And that one way to show your worth is through our assessment practice. Exactly. Yep. That's so different than the other. Absolutely. Okay. Very good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, so do I. <laughs> uh, first, I thought that assessment was how to rank the achievement of students. So correct, incorrect, you're adding up numbers, you're averaging them. And it's just like very removed from the process. Um, then I learned that assessment should be directly related to standards and assessing student understanding so that you're not comparing students to each other, mm -hmm. uh, but you're comparing them to the learning standards and to their own growth. Um, and then now I think that you should meet students where they're at and help them in their journey of learning and understanding. That student learning is assessed as opposed to students' ability to remember or repeat something. And that you only need enough assessment opportunities to determine understanding so you're not having to like over assess students and then don't assess what isn't part of the standards so no sort of confounding of the grades um, you're not marking presentation beauty you're just marking like the content if that's what you've decided the standard is and then so i will do my best to create a supportive environment for student learning that helps them reach their goals I will always make sure my assessment strategies are in alignment with the standards and separate out the learning that doesn't relate to the standards. And then I think as well, just try and create that relationship with students. Uh, so my sort of final image I had um, is typically when you're climbing a mountain, there's two people and you've got the person that's there at the top to catch the person at the bottom if they're falling. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I see myself now as that teacher that's there to help the student get up the mountain, but is also there to catch them if mm -hmm. there's a problem. Do you remember the image that I used in a couple of my slides? And there's a person belaying the climber. Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of like that person supporting the student who is climbing, yeah. but ready to Yeah, they can do it on their own, but you just, you're just there in case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, so do you have any final comments that you wanted to share with the audience and me? No, that's good. I just wanted to say thank you. It was a privilege to teach you all year. And thank you for being open to learning. It's it's a lot to learn in one semester. And it's only the beginning, really. So as you practice, I just encourage you to surround yourself with people who will support you in the journey, that you're not alone. Um, I'm here. Shannon is available. There's a lot of people in the BC community who's on this journey. So you're not alone. And you guys, all of you give me so much hope for the future. So. Thanks for being here today and sharing with everyone. Thank you. Thank you. A special thank you to Nina, Michelle, Tasha, and Caroline for a wonderful conversation. This episode is brought to you by the School of Education at Trinity Western University and funded in part by a Shirk Explorer grant. Until next time, may you be inspired in your educational journey. <laughs>